We'll be in First uh, John tonight. Uh, I don't know if we'll get the chapter finished up, but chapter five. But we'll give it a we'll give it a run. You know the heading for the. I usually the my messages I just use the heading. That's in the Bible. And uh, this one says uh, overcome the world. And uh, so I, I, of course, like most of the time, I, I begin to start struggling uh, just with the heading. And first off, to let you know that the, the heading is, uh, is not the authoritative, inspired word of God. It's just somebody that put that in there to try to help us to understand the text that's before us. And it made me think, well, you know, overcoming the world, what, what was the motive that, the, that he read the text that he thought that he was going to interpret it this way, the fact that, you know what, I would like to tell you, and maybe that person thought that there was a formula, there was a simple recipe that, that I could tell you today to overcome the world. I, I, we, we, could just, uh, we could read a little bit of scripture to you, say a couple simple prayers, uh, we can baptize you, I can give you your assurance and uh, you, you've overcome the world. That would just be wonderful if there was this simple recipe. But I see, I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. So were they saying that from the perspective to overcome the world? If you do these certain things, then you can overcome the world? Or was they saying that if you have done these things, these things are taking place and you can, then you know you've overcome the world? So we'll, we'll let that for each one of us to interpret that. So, but I, I, so the world, we have to look at that first off. And uh, I think uh, most importantly, we should just go to the Lord in prayer, uh, call upon him. Our Father and our God, I, uh, I thank you here. I thank you for all those who showed up this evening, for the saints, Father, that have truly overcome the world, that are living in your great grace and your great mercy and your great love and have fellowship with one another that endure hardships, that overcome difficulties, and still we continue to fellowship together. Father, I pray for our online that, uh, that the, these words, that you can just give someone a, a heart to know and ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So like I said, we're continuing the book of 1 John, and the constant theme that we have in 1 John is the assurance of our salvation, we're far from perfect, and to love one another, that fellowship. And it's the same theme that we've been carrying out through the book. So today we're going to kind of, kind of come into this a little different direction, like John does when he's writing this. And... Uh, the world... So first off, to overcome the world. What is the world? Should we ask that question? What, what the world, to overcome it? What is going on in our world? Well, you know, I was born in 1963, so yeah, I'm 60 years old. So what has taken place uh, in my lifespan as far as the world? And, and what, is ta- what is going on in our world? And what perspective is it? Is it the perspective of CNN or Fox or you or me? Uh, what perspective does that come from? I, I would like to take it from a biblical perspective on what I see going on in our country, which would be the United States. Now, I don't live in, around the world. We just catch the news. But I, I've kind of had a good feeling for what's taking place in our country over the last 60 years. And if I had to describe it and use the text, God's text, the authoritative word of God, to explain this world to somebody that they must overcome, I would just bring you straight into Romans 1. Uh, So let's just go there. Uh, Romans chapter 1. I'm going to probably go through verses from 18 to, to, uh, no, I don't know, 32. Let's just begin to read that and, and try to get a sense of what's going on in us today. What does God say? Uh, and by the way, what's going on in the world today is no different than what was going on back 2,000 years ago or before that. It, it reminds me oftentimes, back in the old days, in uh, Church of Philippi and Ephesians and these churches, that the depravity and 
the wickedness of men and depravity was like an open, it was an open sewer. They just had a swell and, the, and the, all the sewage would just go right down the road and it just, the stench was terrible. And so was like our depravity so terrible. But then they had modern day plumbing. And it reminds me, the United States, when the Puritans came to the United States and developed this country, it seemed like we got some indoor plumbing. You know, we, we had our foundation in uh, the Moses, the Judeo-Christian nation, and we, we got some underground plumbing. We put our sewage underground. These things that take place were still going on, uh, but we didn't, the smell wasn't as bad. We couldn't see it. And we held to a certain sense of values. Well, today, the sewers are busted wide open again, as far as I'm concerned. And let's just begin to read in Romans. Start at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their full, foolish hearts were darkened. Now up here it says, the, the heavens and the earth declare God's glory, but it says that for what can be known about God is plain to them. It's very plain to us in this country what to know about God. We, we are a Judeo-Christian nation. We've held the Bible. We used to read it in the schools. Our laws are based off of this book. Man is without excuse. They have God's word in front of them. They read it. They believed it. They taught it in the schools. It's plain to them. The evidence of the creation itself, all of creation, declares God's glory in who he is. And see, but what it is, is they exchange the truth, we exchange the truth, they exchange the truth of God's word for a lie, it tells us. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, or give thanks to him. But they became, what, futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And this, this happened this was the sexual revolution. This started in the 1960s, from the 1960s up until, well, until now, but 1960s. Between 1960 and 1980, the sexual liberation movement flourished in northern countries and gave rise to what is commonly referred to as the sexual revolution. The libertarian resided in the struggle for sexual life that was not exclusively reproductive, and that was extricated from the institution of marriage, extracted from the institution of marriage. See, it was sex, drugs, rock and roll, swarm to fun, loyal to none. We had Vietnam War, the era, we had Woodstock come back, it was free love, and just ex exchange the truth of God's word for a lie, and there was a sexual revolution that take place. Well, let's see what God says about that. In verse 22, it says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurities, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. See, they exchanged the truth of God's word. They began to, to uh, animals and different creation, began to worship the creation rather than the creator, different things, their selves. But they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the cre creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, what happened? For this reason, because of their actions, what they did, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. 
And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameful acts with men and receiving themselves the due penalty for their error. And this, this is the homosexual revolution that had taken place right after that because our continual disobedience to God. We exchange the truth of God's word for a lie. We worshiped the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. For this reason, what did God do? God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And it's interesting how the women are placed here first. For, for their women exchange natural relations. Those are contrary to nature. Women naturally have an instinctive ability to have babies and be nurturing and loving. And they mention the women first, and then they mention the men in a homosexual revolution. And, let, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shame, shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Receiving due penalty for their error. We would say AIDS, venereal diseases, for their error. It's a built-in consequence for our actions. Well, when did this start? This, this started the, the Stonewall, Stonewall Inn, the gay village in Greenwich Village, Manhattan, New York, was the site of the June 1969 Stonewall Riots and became the cradle of modern LGBT rights movements and subsequent gay liberation movement. See the transgression, the, the, the progression of God's word, what's been taking place, let's just continue on. So we've already seen that, it's documented in history, it's documented in scripture 2,000 years before it ever happened. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, so even after these, these times, these events, we still... They still, we still, and, they, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, what, what happens next? Well, I'll tell you. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with a manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetedness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliceness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. See, at this point, we're living in a point where God has taken the Holy Spirit and he, he's restraining it. He, he's pulling it back from people that want to exchange the truth of his word for a lie. He's turned them over to a debased mind. Well, what is a debased mind, John? Well, I'll tell you. When you walk around and you tell people you were born a man and you tell them you're a woman, that's a complete debased mind. All right? That is not thinking clearly. When you bring children to the doctor for gender mutilation, uh, that is a debased mind. And, and it, it is not only just the people that are going to do that. It's the doctors. It's the system. It's the cosmos. The world is an error here. Debased. Completely detached from reality. Now, I'd have liked to come up here tonight and how to overcome the world, and told my Christian brothers and sisters, give you a rosy outlook and pat you on the back, and we could just reaffirm your salvation through the love that we have in one another. Uh, but this is our mission field. These are, the, these are our broken people. It's evident in God's word. Now, I know that people that may be listening to this, it's foolishness to you. You know, it's foolishness uh, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So if we have our minds and hearts set on the flesh, it's death, Scripture tells us. If we have it set on the Spirit, it is life. So this is complete foolishness to those 
that are involved in these activities. But for some reason, if you feel the Holy Spirit drawn in your heart, uh, call out to the Lord. There's forgiveness in his name. These are not the unpardonable sins. We, we have to be able to recognize it. Read the scripture. Do you believe what I'm reading here today is the authoritative word of God? Is it from our creator, full of grace and mercy, put this book down here to be read, that when people have a debased mind and people are caught up in these activities, that if they hear it, they can be drawn by the Spirit. Holler out to the Lord. And there's salvation for all that holler out to the Lord. So it is a more loving message to have somebody preach the truth of God's Word than to try to give some kind of rosy outlook, some, some seeker-sensitive uh, message. And we're, we're going to get into the, the seeker-sensitive here in a minute. But let's just understand the cosmos, the world in which we live in today. How many babies does it take to stack up to the heaven? God created me, you, in your mother's womb. He knows every hair on your head. He's the creator. He gives life, he takes life. We, we, we have, I, I don't know, Brother Dan told me 60 million, 6 million, just some astronomical number that we've stacked the babies from here practically to the heavens. And what happens? You exchange the truth of God's word for a lie, and he'll turn you over to a debased mind. And that's, that's what I see around us. We see it not, not only in our culture, but we see it in the people that lead us. We see it in our governing bodies, from our president all the way down to local levels that defend this type of ludicrousy. Now, it's ju just as I says, I understand a broken person would, would, would want to have their children uh, gender mutilation. I, I could see a broken person do it. What about the doctor that performs this, the swordless oath? It's the same thing with our leaders in the country. I see that's what we do as a, the depravity of people. I understand it. That's my mission field. But see, when you have the leaders of your country condoning such activities, uh, God has turned you over to a debased mind. Repent. That's the, that's the hook. That's the message. Repent today. Because uh, I'll tell you what another thing Scripture says, every knee shall bow. Every king, every president, from Biden, Trump, Carter, Clintons, Putin, China, every world leader will bow to the king before he comes back to defeat the final Curse. To defeat the final is death will be the final that he'll come back and defeat when he comes back. But until that time, all these will bow. One day, we will all bow. We'll all stand in judgment of the God, whether it's for our good works or it's for our bad works. So I beg of you today, I plead with you today to take a knee for God. Repent. So, what do we do? How do we overcome the world? Well, you know, the same thing was going on in, back in the book of Daniel. And uh, Daniel chapter 9, uh, I'm not going to really be reading there because I, I kind of read the prayer and then I, I kind of put a prayer together. And, and that was in a, a past tense form. All these things had been taking place and the wrath, God's judgment, had come down upon Israel. They had got carried off. It was going to be for a 70-year period. Um, God even sent his prophets, Jeremiah, uh, to give them hope, that letting them know that, listen, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be held for, here for 70 years. This is, this is the due punishment. You're going to go through this, but I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bring you back. And what that did to the people, to the Jewish people at that time, is because the consequences of their actions, because they, they acknowledged the consequences of their actions, and they suffered for them 70 years, 
they became to have a repentive heart and they began to cry out to the Lord with, with a, just a true repentant heart, and which we can do too. I believe we can do that also. So I, I would like to just say this prayer right now, uh, how to overcome the world. For the world, uh, we'll get to us to individually, but uh, as our nation, as a whole. Let us turn our face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with sincerity and fervency. I pray to the Lord my God, and confess, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps a covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from Your commandments and rules. We have not listened to Your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, who speaks to us through Your Holy Scriptures, to our Congress, Senators, Presidents, Politicians, and our Fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As of this day, to the men and women of the United States, the inhabitants of Washington, D.C., those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you have given them, because of their treachery, that they have committed against you to us. O Lord, belongs open shame to our leaders and to our fathers because we have sinned against you. To the Lord God belong mercy and forgiveness. For we have rebelled against you and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws which he sent to his beloved Son, Jesus Christ. For all who have transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice and, your and you restraining of the Holy Spirit that leads to a debased mind, that God restrained the Holy Spirit and turned over to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done because we have sinned against you. You have confirmed your words, which you spoke against us, against our rulers, who rule us, by turning them over to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. For under the whole heaven such shameful acts have been committed against you, as it is written in the Holy Scripture. All this depravity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by our truth. Therefore, the Lord has continued to restrain His Holy Spirit and has brought it upon us for the Lord our God is righteous in all His works that He has done. And we have not obeyed His voice. And now... O Lord, our God, who brought us to the land of the free and home of the brave by your mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as to this day we have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let our anger and let your anger and your wrath turn away from our country. Because of our sins and for our iniquities, of our Congress, Senators, Presidents, Fathers, and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is depraved. O my God, Incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our depravity in your country that was established to honor you. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. O oh my God, 
because our land and your people are called by your name. Amen. So, that, that's how the country overcomes the world. Okay? Through repentance. To acknowledge when we do wrong, accept it, and to repent. Now, the next problem we have is ourselves. We live in a country that's this way, and then we have ourselves. How do, how do you want to overcome the world? Well, guess what? You don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's where, that's where I'm going to give you the simple prayer to say and, and tell you this is all you got to do, but we got a problem with that. All right? First, we need to understand. We have to understand. So what, what are you saying, John? Well, what, what does it mean that no one seeks God? How, how, how does one with a debased mind seek God? He cannot, he will not, he's incapable. The, cro- the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So, here we go again. Here's the next dilemma. Well, what, where does this say this in Scripture, John? Are you just making this stuff up? No. Psalm 14, verses 2 to 3. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. <laughs> all right, so uh, and all of them, none of them, pretty clear here, but we're going to keep reading some more Bible verses. But So if no one seeks God... Who are the seekers that some churches strategize to attract? Who are these seekers that, that uh, a church, the seeker-friendly church, is trying to attract if no one seeks God? I, just a question. Plus, how are the people saved if no one's seeking God? So now we've strategized to have a seeker-friendly church to get the world into our church. Oh boy. And then now they don't seek so that's just a couple uh, questions, but we're, we're talking about we're talking about us people in general, our fallen nature, who we are. Romans three. Now this just re- reiterates the psalm, Romans chapter three, ten to twelve. As it is written, none is righteous, no, none, the zero, none, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. This is, this is the lost soul. This is the sinner. Beloved, you've been regenerated. You've been saved. You hear, you hear the calling of God's word. You're seeking God. We just seek God with an earnest prayer from my heart. I seek God with an earnest prayer from my heart. But I could not be able to do that if God wouldn't have gave me grace and regenerated my soul and took out a heart of stone and gave me a stone of flesh. I wouldn't have been able to come together with a prayer to cry out to the Lord with a prayer to seek Him. There's a clear difference. There's one that's, regen- that's not regenerated, that's warned against God, they're angry. And such were some of you, and such was I. I grew up in that generation, that broken, fallen generation. And I thought it was fun back when I was sinning. Boy, the fun I thought I was having. But today, you know, I had a big mouth back then, and I still got a big mouth today. You know, they told me I could go on the corner and holler as loud as I want, whatever I want, because this is a free country, and boy, I sure did. And I was rebellious. I rebelled against my dad. I rebelled against God. But some, somehow God took this heart of stone, gave me a heart of flesh. And I'm hollering out for the Lord today. And so shouldn't you, beloved. So shouldn't you begin to holler out to the Lord for what is right. It's clear. Can you not see the debased minds? How can you send your children to school a, a girl and then come home a boy without the parents being known? That is not ludicrousy to you. That is absolute insanity. God has turned them over to a debased mind. Why, John? Well, Genesis is why. Genesis 3.11. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you to eat? 
It's our fallen nature all the way back to the book of Genesis, Adam. And from then, from Adam till today, we, we all have a fallen nature in us. Romans 7.18 For I know that nothing good dwells in me. Now this is an interesting one, and I, I think this is kind of out of context a little bit. I think this should be moved some other place. But this is Paul in Romans chapter 7, and I know Paul's soul is regenerated here. He's our apostle. He's our great apostle. But even after a regeneration, there continues to be a struggle of the flesh and the spirit. The eyes that are set on the flesh is death. The eyes that are set on the spirit is life. Paul understands this, this is what he's expounding on here. But it ended up here in front of me today. And he says, 718, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. So I'm trying to make the point that I have nothing good in me at all. The only thing good in me is what's been given to me by God and the Holy Spirit resides in me today and leads and guides me in all my path. That is, in my flesh. He even signifies it, in my flesh. He has to speak in human terms for us. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Now, beloved, if you ever want to know about if your soul is regenerated or not, first you understand where you're sinning, where you're warring against God, what is the difference between right and wrong. And today, wrong is right and, and right is wrong. It's completely inverse, and it tells us that in Scripture. So once you recognize that and you begin to restrain and try not to do these things, if you're incapable of that, then you don't have the Spirit of God in you yet, maybe. You could be mourning or grieving the Spirit, but you may not have the Spirit of God in you. I know the assurance of my salvation tells me that I've been able to restrain Proclaim the truth of God's word and restrain my flesh from doing these activities, these things, and to restrain from that and set my eyes on the spirit. I've accomplished it. So every difficulty, every trial, every tribulation I go through my life that I overcome with the Holy Spirit, I have the assurance of my salvation every each and every day. And I, I hope we all understand that. Isaiah 64, 6. We have all become like one who's is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment we all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away john chapter 6 verse 44 no one can come to me no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Wow. See what our God does for us? So full of grace and mercy. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. See, even grace is a gift from God. That God chooses you, me, beloved. It's a love offering for his son, we're drawn by the Holy Spirit. There's, I'm sorry I don't have a simple recipe for you that I just give you the text of God's Word, but believe it. Believe God's Word. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. You know, we're going to be, one day we're going to be in the presence of the Lord, beloved. We're going to be in, in, in heaven. We're going to be with God in his presence. There will be no sun. There will be a light that's illuminated completely around us. There will be no shadows, no different shades. It will just be a light. And it will be such a beautiful light, an absolute beautiful light. My, my wife loves the light. It rained one day the other day, and she was, summer was over with. That was it. Just pulling the lawn chairs. We're giving up on it. And, and sure enough, we headed west, and look, the sun's out. And uh, then we had dinner, and everything was better. So, uh, But it's, it's amazing about the light, you know. And that's what I'm saying. It, it was a cloudy, kind of a shady day. And one day, we're going to have the presence of the Lord with, with a illuminating light. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Titus, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, 
by the washing, regeneration, and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Romans, I, I know I'm redundant with this scripture. We just, we just have to keep going over. We have to, get, we have to internalize this and understand this. Romans 11, 5 through 6. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Romans 18 to 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. They will, they will be without excuse. So how, how do we overcome the world? How do you overcome? Well, uh, I'll tell you. Uh, you, you heard it. It's, it, it, it's got to come from God. God has to draw you. It's going to be through the Spirit. It's through His grace. We give Him all the credit, credit and recognition. But, but I'll tell you, uh, start with prayer. Start, start, just start with believing that this is the authoritative word of God. It has no error in it. Begin to pray. Recognize. That's a, that's a good start. If you're really sincere, if your heart is troubled, uh, John chapter 3 tells us, and right around John 3.16 there, it, it tells us eight times to do what? To believe. Believe, 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 believe. Believe in what? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Seven times it tells us that. So if, if you want to do something, start there. That, that is a good start. So that was my introduction uh, to tonight's message. Let's, let's go to John chapter 5. Let's just begin to read, read this and let this resonate. Like I said, it's been the same theme throughout the book. Uh, the assurance of our salvation. We're far from perfect. Because we're, we're going to mourn the Spirit. We're going to grieve the Spirit. And he tells us, he says, if you sin, confess your sins, and surely he'll forgive. He tells us that. Uh, he's given us the assurance of our salvation. He tells us that, uh, so that tells us we're far from perfect. And he begins to talk about a love. To be able to love one another. You know, especially if, if we can't love our brothers and sisters in the faith, then how can, we, how can we love a God that we can't see? If you can love a brother and sister that you can see, you can't love them. How can you love a God that you cannot see? And on top of that, to love our mission field. Now, my mission field, beloved, is, is even the ones with a debased mind, even the ones that are warring against God. I pray in my heart that God's words will resonate on them. I pray that the full weight of God's words will come down upon their beings and impress on them so much that they'll repent. That my grandchildren, your grandchildren, will have a country, a God-honoring country, that submits to the authority of God, a creator, a loving, gracious creator. That's, that's a love that I was incapable of having before I knew and understand what I was doing when I was warned against God when I was the one with the debased mind, that God still drawed me to him. And God said that I'm forgiven. That my sins are a stone as far as the east to the west. She'll never be brought up again. They're forgotten. I'll surely have to pay consequences for the actions of my, my flesh on this earth, whatever it may be, physical, mental, financial, whatever it may be, there are consequences. But God has adopted me into the family. 
And he loved me so much that he did that while I was turned against him. So, that love that he's extended to me, and he's shown us, beloved, he should, not only did he write a book to tell us and tell us about our prophets, but he showed us. When he manifested himself in the form of his creation and lived a sinless life, walked on this earth a sinless life, one miracle after another miracle, everywhere he walked, miracles, the writers, John, the apostles, the people that the word has been carried down, they all seen that. No one denied that. Our God manifested his self in the form of his creation to walk on this earth. Because there had to be, there's weights and balances. And what do I mean by weights and balances? Well, if you have the scales, like they show the, the scales of justice, they have to balance out. Everything has to balance out perfectly. If something's out of balance, it could tilt and fall and the whole building could collapse. Our whole world can collapse. Our whole world can come out of existence if something was just slightly out of balance. It has to be 100% in balance. So when he said that he was the propitiation, propitiation for your sins, beloved, my sins, that means that every act, every sin, there's a price that has to be paid. Every single one. Because he would not be a just God if he allowed something to go unpunished. If he punished you and didn't punish me, then the scales would be out of balance. And see, God can't do that. Okay? All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. God then solved this dilemma for his people by coming in the form of his creation to live that sinless life. He was captured, tried, convicted of crimes he did not commit. He was brutally tortured, killed on a cross. But because he lives, I can face tomorrow without fear. Have no fear, beloved. The people of this world with the debased mind, they will strike a knee before God. Okay? Have no fear. God is in charge. God has put the Holy Spirit in each and every believer. But Jesus came to equal the scales. If you just accept him into your heart. You believe, believe, believe. Now, 1 John says, chapter 5. I, I think this ought to just flow now. Uh, with, un, with some, just some simple understanding. Let, let's let God's word speak to our hearts. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Whoever believes that Jesus is born of God and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and observe his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For what is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not with water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. Brothers, beloved, you've been, you've been washed. There's a cleansing that God has washed you. The blood of Christ, we stand in his blood, the propitiation. The Spirit draws us, keeps us, sustains us, protects us, and it testifies to the three. 
If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his son. And do you remember at the time when this book was written, the Gnostics were coming in, trying to extort the faith, change the message, preach a different message, exchange the truth of God's word for a lie. But we know Jesus is real. We know he's the way, the truth, and the life that no one comes to the Father but through the Son. We know that he has the living water. We know these things. The same as the apostles knew them and had written them down. Do not be deceived by false ideologies and false thought processes that run rampant with people with depraved minds. You know, beloved, you know right from wrong. You know God's commandments. Verse 10. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. It flows out of us like living water, the testimony of himself. How did Christ save you? What's your testimony? The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. You call God a liar, beloved, not me. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. Manifested himself in the form of his creation. Lived a sinless life. Did all these miracles. Healed people. Brought people back from life, from death to life. From blind to seeing. From lame to walking. Complete miracles of healing were upon the land. In a little town over there in Galilee, a little fishing village. And today the truth resonates through the Spirit, through us, all the way over here in Vermilion, Ohio. Testifying to our Lord and our Savior, His great mercy, His grace, for those who believe. Believe this story that I'm telling you, not just a story. The authoritative Word of God has spoken. And the testimony of this, that God has given us eternal life. Amen. Eternal life, brother, with your Creator. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. This is written that you may know. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. The assurance of our salvation, beloved, this is the confidence which we have before Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. It doesn't say that He's going to do whatever you ask Him. He says that He hears us. And we pray we prayed for our nation today. We prayed for the people of debased minds. We prayed for our leadership in this country. Let's pray with sincerity and a reverence in our heart. If your soul is regenerated, pray to the Lord with reverence and sincerity, brother. We need your prayers. We need all your prayers. Let's see what God can do. God can do all things. God is wonderful. He can change us all right now. Maybe he wants to hear the prayers from his people. Do we have enough faith, enough trust in our God to pray for him? Ask it in his name. Ask it in Jesus' name. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. God answers our prayers. He says yes, no, or later. <laughs> I was told that once. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin... Not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will, God will, for him, give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. Now, I'm not going to get into the sin leading to death, but I will tell you, brother, by calling out sin, by saying what is right is right, by declaring the truth of God's word, let that resonate in the sinner's heart. Our brothers and sisters that are in error, that we go to them out of love, and it seems harsh, but it's out of love. That's someone who truly loves somebody. If you allow someone to continue in their sin and not say something, do you love that person? Do you really truly love them? 
That's, that's a question, a rhetorical question. God will, for him, give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is sin not leading to death. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come. So, okay, the power lies with the evil one. And then what else do we know? And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. When he came... He defeated Satan. When he, when he resurrected and sits at the right hand of God, and all things are put in subjection underneath him, all rule and authority, and every knee will bow, this has happened, brother. This has taken place. God has come and given him us understanding. I understand that. Do you understand that, beloved? So that we know him, know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our great, merciful, full of grace, God, that's so full of love, Thank you for the Holy Spirit. We, we ask the Holy Spirit that uh, it can protect us from these false ideologies and thought processes to guard our hearts, that the Holy Spirit may continue to lead us in his word, to, to hear the truth. To give, the, give us the courage uh, when to stand up for, for your word, God, for your people, when to speak out for a brother and heir to... We ask that the Spirit can help lead and guide that, that whole situation. And we pray that that brother can come back into the graces of the church or that unlost soul may have ears to hear and eyes to see. We, we cannot do that without the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the, the salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. And most of all, we thank you for your love, God. We just thank you and for the ability to know and understand you and understand you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for my life. Father, and I ask to just that you just continue to put that hedge of protection around all of yours, Father, that uh, we just love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you, everybody.